This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Wednesday, August 24th. It's 9.04. You're listening to WNBF. Endicott native Josh Riley has defeated Dutchess County businesswoman Jamie Cheney to win the Democratic nomination in New York's 19th Congressional District. Preliminary results indicated Riley defeated Cheney by a 63-37% to 37% margin. He'll face Republican Mark Molinaro in the November general election. Democratic Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan defeated Molinaro in a special election in the district, which had been represented by Antonio Delgado until he resigned to become New York's lieutenant governor. Ryan received 52% of the vote, and Molinaro received 48%. In the Democratic primary in New York's 52nd Senate district, Leo Webb defeated Leslie Danks-Burke. Webb will face former Binghamton Mayor Richard David in the November election. Two New York Democrats have been ousted from the U.S. House in primary elections after redistricting shuffled congressional districts in one of the nation's largest liberal states. A 15-term incumbent who chairs a powerful House committee, Carolyn Maloney, and a first-term progressive, Mondaire Jones, one of the first openly gay black members of Congress, lost their elections. Maloney lost to her longtime colleague, Congressman Jerry Nadler. Jones lost in a crowded race for a new district. The chair of the House Democrats' campaign arm, Sean Patrick Maloney, survived a primary challenge of his own from a progressive. The Metropolitan Opera is dropping its vaccination requirement for audiences next season, but will still mandate the wearing of masks. The decision differentiates the Met from Broadway theaters, which loosened restrictions in July by making mask wearing optional. In May, most Broadway theaters lifted the requirement that audience members provide proof of vaccination to enter venues. The Mets season opens September 27th with the company premiere of Cherubini's Medea in an Italian translation. The company returned last season from a year and a half absence caused by the pandemic, managing 196 staged performances without a cancellation. Students in New York will no longer be required to take a COVID-19 test if they've been exposed to someone who has tested positive. Under relaxed COVID guidelines, random testing won't be mandated for school districts across the state. Districts would have the option to administer COVID testing in conjunction with athletic programs. Governor Kathy Hochul said the changes in the state guidelines are being made as a result of the latest recommendations by the Centers for Disease Control. Hochul said the updated guidelines should help ensure that students, teachers, and faculty will be able to return safely to New York classrooms next month. A bill currently in committee in the New York State Assembly could bring some relief to New Yorkers struggling with student loan debt payments. Assembly Bill A5724, as currently written, would provide for a personal income tax deduction for student loan payments. It would amend Section 612 of the tax law, saying payment not in excess of $5,000 actually paid by an eligible borrower for student loan repayment to the extent not deductible in determining federal adjusted gross income and not reimbursed. In plain terms, eligible borrowers would be able to take a personal income tax deduction of up to $5,000 for student loan payments if the bill were to pass and be signed into law by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. According to a report by Pat Giblin of Binghamton Homepage, Speed Awareness Week in New York resulted in over 2,000 traffic tickets being handed out in the southern tier. It seems a few southern tier residents didn't heed the warnings from early last week. 
When told to lay off the gas pedal for a few days, law enforcement agencies across the state took aim at speeders in New York as part of a campaign to decrease unsafe driving habits. So law enforcement agencies told everyone they'd be targeting speeders for a week. And in New York State, the state police issued 25,000 total traffic tickets across the state, with over 2,000 of them coming from the southern tier. Fox Corp chief executive Lachlan Murdoch is suing Australian news website Crikey in a Sydney court for defamation over an opinion piece about last year's storming of the U.S. Capitol. Media mogul Rupert Murdoch's son filed a statement of claim Tuesday after Crikey publisher Private Media's chairman Eric Beecher and managing editor Peter Frey put their names to media ads inviting Lachlan Murdoch to sue. Murdoch claims he was defamed by a column about the U.S. congressional investigation into the January 6th insurrection. A Rochester couple who a black firefighter accused of throwing a racist pool party are saying the event was intended to ridicule liberals, but it wasn't racist. Dentist Nicholas Nicosia and a real estate agent, Mary Nicosia, hosted the July 7th party. It prompted a legal filing by firefighter Gerard Jones. Jones said the party featured a display mocking the Juneteenth holiday with Juneteenth flags displayed over buckets of fried chicken. Nicosia admitted to running an anonymous Twitter account that posted racist images and content, but said she is not racist. A lawyer for Jones said he would use the couple's press conference Tuesday as evidence. It's 9.09. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. This is National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Right now about 65 degrees, 87% humidity, and a dew point of 61 degrees, so just into that muggy range. Today, isolated showers after 3 p.m., sunny with a high near 82, chance of rain 20%. Tonight, patchy fog after 3 a.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low near 59 degrees. Thursday, patchy fog before 8 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 85 degrees. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, a low near 64. Friday, a slight chance of showers, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Mostly sunny with a high near 86, chance of rain 50%. Friday night, chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., partly cloudy with a low around 63 degrees, a 30% chance of rain before we get into a pretty nice weekend here in Binghamton. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 84. Sunday, sunny with a high near 88. It's 9:12. You're listening to WMBF where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. WNBF.com with the amazing live local talk program. It truly is amazing. 
with Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. And uh, we welcome you to participate in today's program. It truly promises to be a morning to remember. Indeed. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm conducting a second show, too. I'm doing two shows simultaneously. Uh, David from Syracuse, I just wanted to let you know, that looks nice. Perfect. All right, <laughs> Thank you, David from Syracuse. Right. Hope you have a good day. <laughs> oh, my gosh, we're having too much fun already. Bob Joseph, such a great host, I can conduct two, not one, but two shows simultaneously. It was David from Syracuse. with um, Bob Joseph. Every day brings a new adventure in radio. I've been in radio for a few years, and trust me, trust me, people, I've never seen anything quite like this before. So uh, with that, with that in mind, buckle up, because it's going to be... I guess the word they use on TV is interesting. It's going to be interesting. At least we have no tornadoes in the forecast for the moment. Let's go right to the phone, shall we, people? And commence the broadcast with Ronald in Binghamton. Good morning, Ronald in Binghamton. Good morning, Robert, on State and Court. You know, you ought to be here in the studio to see what actually goes on. Because it, this this would be the day if we actually had a, a live streaming service on WNBF Plus. This would be the day that people would pay good money to watch what is going on here. Oh wow! Well, I'm sorry I'm missing the visual. I yeah, but I, it's good calling in, and actually I need your help a little bit. That's why I'm calling in. My head is spinning. Okay. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what to think. I've been watching the morning uh, shows on TV, and it's being reported all over the place. You've probably noted it, that NASA, that's the National Aeronautic and Space Administration, has released audio of what a black hole sounds like. Did you know that, Bob? No, must be. I was too busy having fun here at the station with... You know, I swear, I swear, I'm part of some sort of strange, twisted psychological experiment with uh, some students. So probably some advanced students at Binghamton University are conducting a secret experiment to see to see exactly how much they can provoke me before I I finally finally say I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, now, now, don't get me wrong. That makes it sound really dire. It's more fascinating than it is um, disconcerting. It's just intriguing. Every every day, they come up with something new, uh, a new technological trick to to see if I'm still on my game. Yes. So well, you're you saying know, they they release the audio of the black hole? Yes, and uh, the uh, Na- NASA. You know, those are the folks who up to now, I mean, the black hole thing, the sound of the black hole is going to, you know, supersede what they've already given us. Remember, they gave us Tang, the orange-flavored breakfast drink, Tang, years ago. Well, now they've gone beyond that. They're going to tell us what a black hole sounds like. And, in fact, they have, and they've played it on TV. Uh, By the way, the black hole that they're talking about is 250 million light years 
from Earth. It takes a long time to get there. Uh, and uh, it's a gas that's being emitted from this black hole is making vibration and the noise. And here's the interesting part. Science Alert magazine. Um, I'm sure you, well, maybe you haven't read your copy yet. No, I just, I just buy it for the pictures. Yeah, well, <laughs> the fold-out this year, well, I'm not going to say that planet, the fold-out. Uh, the Science Alert website says that the sound of this black hole is spooky and angry. It's a spooky and angry sound. And it's the lowest sound that they've ever noted. They say that this is uh, a B-flat. They know it's a B-flat, and it's 57 octaves below middle C. This is like Lou Rawls used to sing. I mean, that low. Oh, it's like um, uh, Barry, Barry White with the Love Unlimited Barry Orchestras. White. Absolutely, except... 57 octaves below middle C, you'd have to have <laughs> this gigantic piano to, to make the noise. That's the, that's the only problem here. But uh, now I'm wondering, who could hear this, like three-throat sloths or iguanas? I mean, we can't go out at night and listen to this black hole. And, and the other thing that I'm wondering about, if it's, if it's an angry, spooky sound, are some people going to think that maybe that's God being ticked off at us and he's given us a message, spooky and angry? Huh? Or is this well, some people will think that, but let's face it, God never gets angry. Well, I, you know, that's <laughs> your opinion. I well, of course it's my opinion. I mean, everybody has an opinion. Now somebody's going to call in and say, Bob, God is angry at you. That's why you're getting all these interesting technical challenges as you hit the air. If God wasn't angry with you, Bob, everything would work the right way. So some people, me, on the other hand, I choose to think God is always happy with us, and God would never do anything to make our lives more interesting or miserable. You don't think that God was angry when they renewed another season of the Kardashians? I mean, well, okay, that's different. You have a point there. Of course God was angry. But that, you know, God, slow to anger, as someone once said, even God has his or her limits. Yes. And <laughs> this, this kind of wraps it up, Bob, for me, as far as this black hole thing this morning. Uh, why do we want to hear the sound of a black hole? I'm concerned about the noise that the motorcycles are making going around my house late at night. I mean, that's the sound that I'm concerned about, not the sound of a black hole. You know what I'm concerned about is these guys who are driving their motorcycles 120 miles an hour early in the morning, and then they get in a crash, and that means all the police and ambulance crews have to go pick them up after they've gotten injured because they're driving around at 3 in the morning, 120 miles an hour. That's what concerns me. Yes, and do you know why they crash? Because they hit the black hole. Well, no, God's angry at them for driving around at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't think God's angry, but I know I am. You know, every once in a while, 
I'll I'll have my windows open. And seriously, I might be awake for some reason at 3 in the morning, and I hear someone, and I have this unique capability of using just by virtue of sound, I can calculate within plus or minus 2 miles an hour how fast a Cadillac Escalade or a motorcycle are going, just based on the sound. And sometimes at 3 in the morning, I swear that some of those guys on their motorcycles are going 120 miles an hour. And then the scary thing is when the sound suddenly stops and you know that something bad happened. Well, you know, speaking about the acuity of your hearing, uh, you're one of the only people I know who can hear the sound of a Cadillac Escalade going 119 miles an hour, which is 60 miles away around Elmira. You know, the weird thing is, once all the freedom of information requests have come out, the state police are forced to turn in all the documentation from that fateful Sunday afternoon, and it'll turn out that the state police didn't clock that vehicle going 119 miles an hour near Nichols on their own, but it was the result of a tip they received from Binghamton. Huh. Huh. Bob, you know what's <laughs> you huh. know what's truly amazing? Huh. What truly what is amazing? it? We started out talking about the black hole, and we ended up in Elmira with the judge. <laughs> that is amazing. Life is strange, but uh, I, I have a, a sense a just based on the first twelve minutes of this program that I had better buckle up because, as as the captain would say, folks, we may be in for a little bit. Of weather, buckle. Please fasten. Ride. Please, please pay attention to the sign that says "fasten, fasten your seatbelts." We may be in for a bumpy ride. Thank you, Ron. Nine twenty-three WNBF. There are a lot of things I could say, but I still want to work until the end of the week. So. I'll withhold them until Friday at about 11.55 a.m. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning. What did that John Riley get in vote? Um, he got quite a few. I, I think... Was it 32,000? I, I don't have the exact number right in front of me. Hold on. Let me look it up. Let me see if I can look it up, Okay. Again, given the the way the technical setup is here right now, the truth is I might not be able to even look up my own birth date. Um, let's see. According according to the internet, actually, this attributes the story to the Press and Sun Bulletin. Jeff Murray from the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin uh, indicated that. Um, Josh Riley had 30,462 votes, and Jamie Cheney had 17,474. So that was, that's an incomplete number, but, so it, it, as they say, as they say in the voting business, it wasn't close. No. All right? No, I was just wondering, I just wondered, because he was new. He was new, but you know why? He probably did well. Oh, 
I think he I think he did well because of uh, growing up in Endicott. All people who grow up in Endicott do well. Look, John Bones Jones, um, me, Josh Riley, everybody who grows up in Endicott does well. Yeah. Well, I did well in I I did well in Binghamton. Yeah, because we'll I've been I've been I studied music for fifteen years, and I uh, when I I lived on the East Side. I I was the East Side Council for a certain area back in the back in the seventies, and I. Uh, I worked for, uh, well, I volunteered for, uh, oh, oh, I can't think, I can't think of his name. Uh, he was with the, with the Broome County, oh, I can't think any, I can't think of it anymore. Right. Uh, his, uh, uh, his, his last name was Duncan. Oh, okay. Broome, Opportunity oh, David Duncan. David Duncan. Yep. Am I right? Yep. All right. Uh, so, so I've done a lot. All right. Well, thank you so much, and so stay tuned. I, I have a sense about this program, that this program truly will be memorable in many, many ways. today? We have a very special guest coming up, You'll, and an important topic, no less. Oh. All right? Yep. By the way, speaking of Josh Riley, I believe he's planning to uh, call us at about 9.45. So do you think oh, you can... that'd be nice. Hey, where, where's Marinaccio? I don't... We don't hear for, about him no more. Do you want to hear from him? No. <laughs> well, sorry. You're probably gonna. Anyway, stay tuned. It's... Um, well, I... It don't it don't matter. I don't see him anyway, so Okay. So I'm uh I'm 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 doing all right. All right. Well have a good day. I appreciate your call. It's nine twenty eight WNBF, the station that is marvelous. That's yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking of. Marvelous. Dave from Vestal, good morning. Yeah, good morning, sir. Hey Bob, I want to ask you how you know. I don't know how you you get your programs. You know, you brought up radio, and I'm trying to figure out. You know, I know everyone loves their sports and their local team, but I figured out roughly. I miss, and I'm sure other people like him too. Mark Levin. Oh, I love him. He's he's a constitutional expert. Right, right, Bob. But we miss like one third of his yearly shows because of the Bearcats and because of the Rumble Ponies coming on. He, he's always in the middle of saying something important, and here comes the interruption. So, my question to you: Who chooses to have the show? You guys, you guys can just bring it on. I mean. He, what I'm trying to figure out is, could that be taken away from you guys because you guys don't put the show on? All what do you mean time? that that we could get in trouble? We might not no, have Mark Levin anymore because we don't run his show every single day. Well, we miss about a third of his shows yearly. That's a lot. Hey, you're, lu- lot. you're lucky that you get 
as many shows as you get. You get two-thirds, at least two-thirds of his shows. Personally, I think you get even more than two-thirds of his shows. I I think, Dave from Vestal, I think you're exaggerating. I, no, you do figure out all the games that the, Bear, the Bearcats play and the Rumble Ponies play. But you know what, Bob? I have a great solution, and it would it would be great for your show. What they could do is let another station pick it up, let it go, and keep keep playing all the sports. And all the fans will be happy, and then you can replay your show from the morning in that six to nine slot. You'd be on twice in a day. You'd get double exposure. Everyone would be happy. Well, why can't I just do a fresh show at night so I can do this show? I'm serious. I could do this show every morning from 9 to noon, and then from 6 to 9, I can do another live show. So I could be on six hours a day because things change rapidly. What we're talking about on the morning edition might be, we would call this the morning edition. Oh, no, I can't because NPR has taken that name. We could call this the first edition, and then we could call the uh, evening version from 6 to 9 the late city final. Yeah, but there's a lot of things you discuss, a lot of important things during the day. People, there's people that work, they don't even listen to this show about it. They could hear it. Well, the question you have to ask yourself, what kind of a person, what kind of a person would choose to work from 9 to noon instead of listening to the program? That type of person really needs to look at himself or herself in the mirror and ask what they've done with their lives that they think for some reason going to an office or some other workplace is actually more important than listening to this program. (laughs) See what I'm saying? In life, you have to prioritize. The question in life is, do you want to hear every little bit of this program, soak it in every day, Monday through Friday, and hear it live the way God intended it to be, or do you actually want to go and work at probably some sort of office where things sometimes get boring or even sometimes annoying, whereas this program is just the opposite. This program gives you reason for hope. That's why people are listening more and more. Yeah. Okay. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Solved another problem. I'm Sally Jesse Raphael, solving the world's problems on WNBF. WNBF.com. Find News Radio 1290, WNBF. Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. And good morning, Karen. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. Never better. How are things in your life? Excellent. No complaint. Same sure. here. Same here. Yeah, I never complain. It's been complain. a lively morning. Huh? It's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. I feel blessed. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you. I see you're going according to our script. Just read the script and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> anyway. Oh, we have a script? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be I funny? I must have lost that paper. I was going to say, I, I saw the, the kid from uh, the teleprompter store. He, he said he was going to install the new teleprompter so I can follow the script to the letter. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, uh, let's talk some serious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about some good advice. You're here to okay. uh, provide some guidance for people every Wednesday morning. 
we're going to talk about the um, mailbox, basically, Bob, things that you're getting in your mailbox if you are close to Medicare eligibility, which is 65 or older for most people, or you're on Medicare. And so it begins because annual open enrollment period for people on Medicare is October 15th to December 7th. And you might think, wow, that's a long way off. But it really isn't because these insurance companies need to get your attention now so that they can get your name and your number and, you know, solicit you during that time, uh, that time period so that they can encourage you to change and buy their product. So is it all bad? It's not, but you need to kind of decipher, is this important, is this not important, this piece of mail? Every piece of mail that these insurance companies send out, for the most part, Bob, make it look like it's coming right from the federal government, right from Medicare, because then people panic or at least they pay attention and they say, oh, my gosh, do I have to respond to this? So. If you respond to it, and here's the latest piece of mail that we've, that's come across the desk. It's a big headline, and it's um, Medicare Part B Reduction Notice, okay? Pre-qualified, pre-approved for Americans turning whatever age they put on the, on the pamphlet, age 71, 68, and, you know, complete and return the postage paid card for a Medicare Part B monthly premium reduction of $74 a month. Now, or for a faster response, Bob, they give an 88 or an 800 number. Now, most people, the standard Part B uh, premium that is being charged to them that normally comes out of their Social Security account uh, in 2022 is $170 a month. So if you're going to get a reduction by calling this number of $74 a month, well, we can do the math. Now you're only paying under $100. But you know what? It's not that easy or everybody would do it. So the, the whole concept behind this, and it says it a couple different times, you know, your answers and your opportunity to reduce your Part B Medicare is based on your area of residence. So it's really a zip code situation, and it's really uh, does a Medicare Advantage plan in your area you know, give you a kickback, that kind of thing. So whenever you get a piece of mail, the, the, the first thing you want to do is look at the bottom correspondence, the bottom scripture, the bottom line of it. And, for instance, this says this information is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. You may be contacted by a licensed Medicare agent. So guess what? You will be contacted by a licensed agent, and it won't be once or twice or three times. It will be over and over and over again because you've given them permission to contact you by responding to this advertisement. So we encourage you, if you have a question on it, give us a call. We'll let you know if it's an advertisement or if it's straight from Medicare. Now, the other thing is, and this this is the other thing, Bob, during that open enrollment period and by September uh, 30th, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan today, like a PPO, an HMO, or a private fee-for-service, by September 30th of each year, you should be getting an annual notice of change. And that's basically telling you what changes in coverage and costs are going to be effective if you stay in the program you're in starting in January. Now, that is an important piece of mail because that you do want to look over if you have questions on it, you can call us. We'll make an appointment. We'll bring it in because that's where people get caught 
saying, wow, I didn't know this, because they get so much mail that they just kind of put it in a pile, and that gets, you know, that gets loaded into the pile, and that really does affect your medical or your prescription drug benefit. So the rule of thumb is, you know, you got to look through the mail, but don't respond to anything unless you're completely sure that it is from Social Security or Medicare, and generally it won't be. And uh, just give us a call, and, and we can basically go through it with you so that you don't make any mistakes or change your coverage when your coverage is absolutely fine just the way it is going forward to January 1. So if people want to get in touch with you today, what's the best way? They can do it several ways. Um, they can give us a call at 607, and they have to dial 607, just like your show, 772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance, and all of our contact information comes up. And we're up on the Parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore. Always a pleasure, Karen. appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. I hope you do, too. Enjoy the weather. It looks like it's going to be a beauty. It is. It is. I'm looking forward to spending a little quality time outdoors later today. Thank you so much. It's Karen Sweet O'Neill every Wednesday right here on News Radio WNBF. It's 941. Coming up, we'll talk with Josh Riley about his primary election victory. This is WNBF on the air, 92.1 FM. 1290 AM and streaming live at WNBF.com. Finding News Radio 1290 WNBF. Real radio done the right way with Bob Joseph on your Wednesday morning from News Radio WNBF. Let's go back to the phones right now. Sandy in Port Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I just have one quick comment and then a question for you, and then that's it. Um, on the primary yesterday, I did go to the the precinct I was supposed to go to, which I couldn't vote because I wasn't a Democrat, and it was only for Democrats, which uh, I kind of knew that when I went, but I was curious as to what was going on there. And when I went in, there was four ladies sitting at the table, not a single person in there voting, nobody. And um, so I just wondered, uh, this redistricting has cost the taxpayers in this state an awful lot of money, having two primaries in one year. And uh, they should have had the two primaries in August instead of splitting them up so close to the redistricting like they did the first one, and it, it would have saved the taxpayers a lot of money. And that that was my comment. And then I just have a question for you about uh, I went to the roundabouts on Front Street the first time. Uh, I'm not a fan of roundabouts per se, but I thought, well, i got to do this because I go that way a lot. Well, i just wondering, uh, those signs that they have up there uh, that have all the arrows going in all different directions and everything, and I couldn't stop to look at the 
arrows to look at the signs to see how I'm supposed to go. So um, can you tell me, is there a place where they have a layout of the roundabout that they have done there that has the uh, arrows and the, so I can correctly navigate these roundabouts there? Because I do use that road a, a lot. Hmm. Well, I did put a picture of that wacky sign on our website yeah. a couple weeks ago when, when it opened up or right before it opened. So oh. uh, if you go, I Is can't remember. Twitter? Yeah, well. well I, I don't do Twitter. Well, no. you do the Internet, though, right? I do. All right, hold on a second. Let me just, um, let's see. I'm just seeing if using the Google so if you use the Google and type in roundabout and front street mm-hmm. and yes, roundabout and front street and WNBF, it'll pop up to the story that I did on on August 4th. And right in the middle of that story is that sign. And you're right, that, that sign is truly... A piece of art. If I was on the air, I could say what it really is. But it's, uh, uh, yeah, for, for broadcast too. purposes, we'll call it a POA, piece of art. And I give the guy who designed the sign, I shouldn't say guy, the man or woman, uh, I give give them a lot of credit because it's one of the more creative signs, but I'm not sure that it's helpful, especially when people encounter it the first time because it's complicated. But again, if you type into Google or your search engine roundabout space front and then WNBF, might not be the, the first story that comes up, maybe the second story. Uh, it's the headline okay. is Second Front Street Roundabout Opens in Time for Speedy Fest. When you see that story, that's the one you want to click on, and then just page down, and, and you will be able to see that sign. And once you look at the sign, it's a lot easier to understand when you're right. in front of your computer screen than if you're driving through the roundabout for the first time, okay? Yeah, because there was a lot of traffic yeah. there around me, behind me, and some guy was honking oh. at me because I was just, I was trying to look at that sign, and I didn't know if I was in the right, correct lane. Right. Well, Sandy, I if wanna... I, Sandy, if I knew it was you, I wouldn't have honked. I just thought it was somebody <laughs> who doesn't call into the program, so excuse oh. my rudeness. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, but I, I never, trust you're, you're me. Work. Yeah, that's that's why POW, yeah. uh, <laughs> piece of work. Yeah. Uh, they'll never release me. But um, no, the the bottom line is no. I never honk my horn unless it's a case of an emergency where where right. there's going to be impending doom. I, I I keep off my horn. I just don't. I don't think it's appropriate <laughs> to use it. So I, I was kidding. Okay. Thank you. Well, that that's all I needed to talk all about. All right. So. Appreciate it. Thank- Yep, thank you. 949 WNBF with your truly original host, Bob Joseph. I am the most original host on this station, if you noticed. Would you like a new car? Well, I know where you can get one. Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. Stop in at 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University, and take a look at their cars. The Miller Auto Team, they're ready, willing, and able to assist you today or tomorrow or even Friday or Saturday. 
They're there for you. They've been there for you for decades, and they're going to be there for a long time to come. So if you're interested in a new Honda or Hyundai, stop in and say hello to the people at the Miller Auto Team. Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. They'll explain the options for new vehicles. Maybe you'd like something that's been previously owned and treated gently. The gentle touch with that used vehicle. Hey, Whatever you need in terms of transportation, the folks at the Miller Auto Team will assist you. If you want more information and want to check out the used vehicle inventory, go to MillerAutoTeam.com. Miller Motors on the Parkway and Vessel. Open tonight till 6. It's 9.50. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Did you get... Wednesday morning, WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Good morning to Larry and Kirkwood. You're on the air. Good morning, you piece of work, you. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the nicest things people have ever said about me. (laughs) Yes, they had told you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just basically called to say hi. You know, I don't have any issues today to talk about. You have no issues. You have no uh, issues? This, Come on, man. Well, I got issues, but nothing yeah. of importance today. <laughs> well, at least the weather's nice. They said it's going to be yeah. sunny today. So I, yeah, I think the be. people the people at the United States Weather Bureau, I think they're doing great work. Yes, yes, they are doing. Well, what about the, uh, the primaries? What did you think about all the primary results? Oh, I heard about... Uh, about them, but uh, it, you know they are what they are. You know, yeah. were were you were you happy? I, I were you were you upset? Well, I was already upset a little bit that that one lady was going against um, what is it? Not Adam Sheff, it's the other guy he worked for. Didn't beat him, you know. But that's okay. They're Democrats. Yeah. So they what about Nancy him. Pelosi? What what can we do about her? Uh, there's only one answer for her, and it's prison time. Oh, come on, man. I was hoping you'd just say, I hope she retires. You don't want her behind bars. Well, she can retire, too, but she needs the answer for all the nonsense she's, she's done here. So, anyway. All right. But, done, all right. Well, thanks one. thanks for popping on. That's uh, the story from Kirkwood with Larry at 9.57 from News Radio WNBF. Uh, this is a very special program, and at the moment I am not at liberty to be more specific. But as the program moves forward, you will understand precisely why this is such a special day for the city of Binghamton. Now, some people are saying... Well, Bob, it's just a day like any other day. In fact, it's simply a Wednesday. It's August 24th. We know we have only four shopping months till Christmas, so people are already somewhat nervous that they won't be able to buy all the Christmas gifts because, let's face it, it's going to be Christmas Eve four months from today. And probably, if you're like me, you're going to wait till the last minute, and we're going to be hit with 50 or 70 inches of snow. So you're going to have to be giving people IOUs or whatever. And you know what that means on Christmas morning. you got a lot of of people looking glum. 
Oh, I wanted purple slippers. Well, I was going to get you a pair of fuzzy purple slippers. But then the snow came, and so instead we're stuck in the house here because we have 77 inches of snow. So why don't you just get the shovel and start working on the driveway so we can get out of here before Groundhog Day? So that's the way Christmas morning could shape up if we're not careful. So remember, only four shopping months until Christmas. So think about that while you're just sauntering around thinking you have nothing to be concerned about. Time is of the essence, folks. Before you know it, your opportunity will have been frittered away. Anyway, stay tuned to the program. I know I'm going to be here till noon because they locked the studio again. I'm not even sure if it's legal. That's how they keep me here every day until noon. They lock the studio, some sort of electronic lock. I'm not sure if I could get out of here in an emergency. Maybe I could call 119 and say, I have an emergency in the studio. And they'd be like, no, you can get out of the studio when the lock opens up at 12.01 p.m. Here's the official forecast from the Weather Bureau. Sunny today with isolated showers possible this afternoon. High 82. Mainly clear tonight. Low 59. Mostly sunny tomorrow. High 85. Sunny on Friday with a slight chance of showers in the afternoon. Maybe a thunderstorm. The high Friday 86. Right now it's officially 66 in downtown Binghamton. Live and local, the talk show that everybody must listen to. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton, 92.1 FM and 1290 Where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Wednesday, August 24th. It's 10.04, you're listening to WNBF. Endicott native Josh Riley has defeated Dutchess County businesswoman Jamie Cheney to win the Democratic nomination in New York's 19th Congressional District. Preliminary results indicated Riley defeated Cheney by a 63-37% to 37% margin. He'll face Republican Mark Molinaro in the November general election. Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan defeated Molinaro in a special election in the district, which had been represented by Antonio Delgado until he resigned to become New York's lieutenant governor. Ryan received 52% of the vote, and Molinaro received 48%. In the Democratic primary in New York's 52nd Senate District, Leah Webb defeated Leslie Danks-Burke. Webb will face former Binghamton Mayor Richard David in the November election. Two New York Democrats have been ousted from the U.S. House in primary elections after redistricting shuffled congressional districts in one of the nation's largest liberal states. A 15-term incumbent who chairs a powerful House committee, Carolyn Maloney, and first-term progressive Mondaire Jones, one of the first openly gay black members of Congress, lost their elections. Maloney lost to her longtime colleague, Congressman Jerry Nadler. Jones lost in a crowded race for a new district. The chair of the House Democrats' campaign arm, Sean Patrick Maloney, survived a primary challenge of his own from a progressive. The Metropolitan Opera is dropping its vaccination requirement for audiences next season, but will still mandate the wearing of masks. The difference, or the decision differentiates the Met from Broadway theaters, which loosened restrictions in July by making mask wearing optional. 
In May, most Broadway theaters lifted the requirement that audience members provide proof of vaccination to enter venues. The Mets season opens September 27th with the company premiere of Cherubini's Medea in an Italian translation. Students in New York State no longer will be required to take a COVID-19 test if they've been exposed to someone who has tested positive. Under relaxed COVID guidelines, random testing won't be mandated for school districts across the state. Districts would have the option to administer COVID testing in conjunction with athletic programs. Governor Kathy Hochul said the changes in the state guidelines are being made as a result of the latest recommendations by the Center for Disease Control. A bill currently in committee in the New York State Assembly could bring some relief to New Yorkers struggling with student loan debt payments. Assembly Bill A5724, as currently written, would provide for a personal income tax deduction for student loan payments. It would amend Section 612 of the tax law, saying payment not in excess of $5,000 actually paid by an eligible borrower for student loan repayment to the extent not deductible in determining federal adjusted gross income and not reimbursed. In plain terms, eligible borrowers would be able to take a personal income tax deduction of up to $5,000 for student loan payments if the bill were to pass and be signed into law by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. Speed Awareness Week in New York resulted in over 2,000 traffic tickets being handed out in the southern tier. Seems a few southern tier residents didn't heed warnings from early last week to lay off the gas pedal for a few days. Law enforcement agencies across the state took aim at speeders in New York as part of a campaign to decrease unsafe driving habits. So law enforcement agencies told everyone they'd be targeting speeders for a week. And it seems a lot of people missed that memo. The New York State Police issued 25,000 total traffic tickets across the state, with over 2,000 of them coming from the southern tier alone. Fox Corp Chief Executive Lachlan Murdoch is suing Australian news website Crikey in a Sydney court for defamation over an opinion piece about last year's storming of the U.S. Capitol. Media mogul Rupert Murdoch's son filed a statement of claim Tuesday after Crikey publisher Private Media's chairman Eric Beecher and managing editor Peter Frey put their names to the media ads, inviting Lachlan Murdoch to sue. Murdoch claims he was defamed by a column about the U.S. congressional investigation into the January 6th insurrection. A Rochester couple who a black firefighter accused of throwing a racist pool party are saying the event was intended to ridicule liberals, but it wasn't racist. Dentist Nicholas Nicosia and real estate agent Mary Nicosia hosted the July 7th party. It prompted a legal filing by firefighter Jared Jones. Jones said the party featured a display mocking the Juneteenth holiday with Juneteenth flags displayed over buckets of fried chicken. Mary Nicosia admitted to running an anonymous Twitter account that posted racist images and content, but said she is not racist. A lawyer for Jones said he would use the couple's press conference Tuesday as evidence. It's 10.09, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. You know, National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Right now, sunny, 71 degrees, 75% humidity. Today, isolated showers after 3 p.m., sunny with a high near 82 degrees, a 20% chance of rain. Tonight, patchy fog after 3 a.m., otherwise mostly clear, a low near 59 degrees. Tomorrow, patchy fog before 8 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 85. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, a low near 64 degrees. Friday, a slight chance of showers, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Mostly sunny, a high near 86 degrees, a 50% chance of rain. And Friday night, chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m. Partly cloudy with a low near 63 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. 
It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. News Radio WNBF, the station that Marconi had in mind when he invented radio. I'm Bob Joseph, live on a Wednesday morning. what they want. Hence the success of the program. Hey, I give them what they want. That's all we can do. And coming up, we have a very, very important feature because today is a very, very important day in the history of the great city of Binghamton. I know some people are saying, what, you mean it's Rodman Sterling's birthday? No, not quite that important, but it is significant. This is a very significant day in the history of the Parlor City. You will hear all about it coming up next exclusively on WNBF and WNBF.com. I'm Bill Parker, and I approve this message. You're in. WNBF, WNBF.com. Coming up, a very important segment, the most important segment in the history of the program, I think. Anyway, uh, also a very, very important segment is uh, what we're going to do now, and it's a conversation with Josh Riley, who uh, just won the Democratic primary in New York's 19th district. against uh, Jamie Cheney. So what do you think about that? Uh, as I look at the numbers, sir, it, it didn't look like it was even close. Yeah, well, thanks, Bob, for, for having me. I was wondering if where you were going there was saying the most important segment. So. <laughs> well, the thing is, and, and we haven't told the listeners who the next guest is. I mean, you know, because you just spoke with our next guest, but it's a it's a state secret. I, the, the only people who know about it, uh, the FBI director and um, the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission. Of course, I'm kidding, but you know who's coming up in just a few minutes because you spoke with that guest. Yeah, I, I do, and I, I don't dispute the I, I don't dispute the characterization. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting. It was a really exciting night for us last night. Um, I had a chance to talk with uh, Jamie and uh, congratulate her on a really hard fought 
and inspired campaign. Um, she really gave a strong voice uh, to so many folks across this country who are terrified about what happened with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, and I anticipate that she and I are going to work uh, really hard together to, to win this seat in November. Um, the results were really encouraging for us. Uh, we won every single county in this district. Uh, we won every single county by double digits. Uh, we won Broome County, uh, I think, by 40 points or so, uh, and uh, similarly in, in Tompkins County. So uh, really, really encouraged by the momentum we're seeing on the ground, the excitement on the ground. And uh, I think we're, we're going into November in a really strong position. Uh, my Republican opponent um, is from downstate, Dutchess County, and has no ties at all uh, to this district. Uh, I, of course, have very, very deep roots in this community, product of our public schools. My family's been here for over 100 years. Uh, he's also taken a whole bunch of corporate PAC money, and I'm not taking any because I'm running a campaign by working folks for working folks. So we're really excited about the fight ahead. And one thing I said last night at our election party that I think is really important is um, I want Republicans and independents and Democrats to know they have a home here in this campaign because I think what's at stake in November is not so much about Democratic Party or Republican Party. I think this is an opportunity to bring some change to upstate New York instead of the status quo that the downstate professional politicians are offering. So um, I come from a Republican family, and, uh, and, and, and this is a big tent here. Well, it would be interesting, as far as I know, if you ultimately prevailed in the general election, you would probably be the first person who ever grew up in West Endicott who would be elected to Congress. That, that's my understanding, um, and uh, it's my understanding that there has not been anyone from Broome County representing Broome County in Congress in uh, 70 years. And uh, Broome County is now about 25% of the population of this 11-county district. And so uh, I think what we've seen across a lot of upstate New York, including Broome County, is communities that have really been sold out and overlooked by the political establishment. And uh, having grown up in the area, having grown up with those upstate New York square deal values, uh, I'm really excited to take that to take that to Congress and make sure our community is getting the attention it deserves. For listeners who weren't aware, uh, based on the almost complete returns, I guess it's close to 100%, you received about 63% of the vote, and Jamie Cheney received about 37%. Were you surprised by that margin? Um, you know, Jamie ran such a strong and impressive uh, campaign, and gave uh, made a really compelling case, and I, I, feel, I, I think she really uh, met the moment here. Uh, so she was she was a formidable competitor. She really was. Um, I'm a better candidate because of her involvement, uh, and I think this district is better off because of her advocacy. Uh, I did get the sense over the last month or so, particularly traveling to so many amazing communities across the Hudson Valley and the Catskills, uh, I did get a sense of a ton of energy on the ground for this campaign. We were we were going out to events out in Chatham and Hudson and Saugerties and Woodstock where so many people 
uh, we're showing up and we're excited to participate in this campaign and excited to make a statement in this democracy. So the, the results that we saw last night reflected the energy I've been seeing on the ground. Um, but I think it's also important just to recognize how strong of a campaign um, and how strong of a candidate uh, Jamie is. Josh Riley, the uh, Democratic candidate in the newly configured 19th Congressional District. Thanks for joining us this morning. I know we'll be speaking with you in the coming weeks. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, Bob. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. It's 1022 at WNBF. Coming up, the moment that all America has been waiting for. It's only going to be heard on WNBF. It will not be heard on any other network affiliates. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming live at WNBF.com. If you have friends in Florida or Myrtle Beach, get on the horn now and tell them to fire up the WNBF app because they won't want to miss it. Again, this will not be rebroadcast. Well, maybe it will. I can't predict the future. But it's not going to be rebroadcast today. If you miss it, you miss it. So stay tuned to WNBF. If you're driving, please get a firm grip on the wheel. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Almost. WNBF at ten twenty seven. This is Bob Joseph live. It is a roundabout day in Binghamton, New York. The famous Court Street Roundabout opened exactly 10 years ago today. It was August 24th, 2012. And joining us now for the observance is Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan, the former mayor. I still have to duck, even though I'm in the studio for some people. <laughs> <laughs> so can you believe it? It's been a decade since the roundabout opened up to traffic. It wasn't on my calendar, and I'm, I'm glad that you remembered because, it, you know, it was. It's, I've taken a lot of heat for that thing, and I, and I should remember, but I'm glad you did because, you know, I think it's an important thing to talk about. I, it was funny. I was listening a little bit before I came. Didn't somebody call about the round, the two roundabouts up on that I just went through the first time the other day up on Front Street? I think they're great. They really, I mean, I, it always takes a little time for people to get used to them, but most people, when they get used to them, love them because they know they're not sitting in traffic for five minutes waiting for a light to change, and it's better for pedestrians, it slows down traffic, all those things. So how did the Binghamton Roundabout come to be? It Was, was it your idea? Everybody seems to be under the impression that Matt Ryan came up with the idea for the roundabout on Court Street. Yeah, I demanded that the uh, Department of Transportation build a roundabout, and if they didn't, I was going to sue them. No, that's not true. Here's what happened. Uh, the, and I told this in a... Um, you know, in a guest viewpoint once that I couldn't find, I was, I was going to try to bring that. But 
basically the state, when you have um, a project like the Court Street Gateway project, you wait for it to come up. When it does come up, the state and federal government pay 95% of the, of the, of the cost of the project. And because their preferred method for intersections um, for a long time now has been roundabouts if, if they're reconstructing a road, um, you have to actually have reasons why um, you, you don't want a roundabout. And one would be uh, you just – it's too small of an intersection. That would be the main one. But besides that, so we did – you know, we looked at it all and we said – um, first of all, I was in favor of them because I'd done some traveling in Europe and and uh, in one island, St. Martin, where they had no traffic lights except for one, where the boats came through into the, in the from the harbor into the ocean, and it was so easy to travel around. And you weren't sitting at lights all you know for five or six minutes sometimes. That intersection, particularly, there's like uh, you know there's it was really bad because you had to wait for a long time, and that that leads to people running. Because they know they're going to have to sit there a long time. If they're close to running a red light, they might run it. And if there's a pedestrian that runs out at the same time, that's when you have a tragic accident. So it calms, it calms traffic. It was demanded by the DOT. It only cost us $21,000 more, which has more than been made up by not having to maintain the five, four or five traffic lights you would have there. And uh, it's one, one project down in Virginia – uh, where they had 10 roundabouts, they analyzed them. They said every year they save 200,000 gallons of uh, fuel for the vehicles that would have to stop and idle there and go through. That's fuel and pollution, obviously. But as you have uh, undoubtedly heard, not everybody <laughs> is in favor. In fact, when they held a public hearing, I think the public hearing was held – first one might have been in 2007 so that was 15 years ago and some of the people who actually spoke at the hearing raised concerns they they said for whatever reason maybe they said cost or other issues but they were not uh enamored of of the idea of of a roundabout so why was that why do some people uh, when they hear about a roundabout being put in why do they tend to oppose it some people well, if you remember, it was early on politicized, and I think that was one of the reasons. And, and if you're tribal like we are today and you decide something's wrong, you're not going to give it up. That's what it, that's what it seems to me. Because we – I sent, uh, you know, Councilman Joe Burns, who was back then way a long time ago, worked on my campaign. He was a, a Hollywood movie uh, director and stuff. He went to um, – up to Glens Falls because I said, let you know, let's go to a community. Why don't you go up and just – ask around, talk to people. And it's a really, I hope people will watch that and if you would post it. I mean, there was a lot of people who were against it and they all said they were wrong and they said it was great. Um, and they, you know, they all admitted the, the naysayer, but I don't think it became political up there. It was just citizens saying, I don't want it. Uh, it's going to disrupt uh, my, my business for a while, things like that. But it wasn't like politicians taking sides. But some people, after it got built and when it did open 10 years ago today, it was the, the afternoon of August 24th, 2012, it, it opened unceremoniously. You weren't there to cut a ribbon. The DOT wasn't there to set off fireworks. It was just, you know, 
uh, I had been there earlier in the day. They were doing some sign work or whatever, and I took some pictures. And by the time I got done uh, here at the station, I decided to walk down a block to the intersection of Court and Shenango, and it was open. Nobody put out a, a news release or put it on Twitter. But shortly after it opened, people were saying, yeah, well, it, you can go around in circles, but a lot of people would say, but it's too small or it's too dangerous or, you know, various reasons that they well, still didn't like early it. early on, and if you notice now, there's no more trucks that get in accidents there. Early on, what we found out, because I monitored those, I think it was two or three trucks that hit the side and uh, hit some some of the... You know things all cr- just across the curb on their re- on their right side, and took out some of those uh, um, railings and stuff. But they didn't. It turns out every one of them was barreling down Court Street like they used to do through the, the which is one of the things we wanted to stop. And they didn't have the roundabout was wasn't in their Garmin yet. It wasn't. They didn't know it was there. And that's why they got in accidents uh, because they came upon something that they were surprised of. And um, you know, in hindsight, um, I don't know if we could have gotten the garment companies to, or, you know, the people to update those sooner, but that's why we had accidents there. Uh, and all across, I mean, if anybody Googles roundabouts, the first thing that comes up is how safe they are compared to ec- intersections where you can have T-bone accidents. And that one, especially when you knew how long the lights were, you would, you would see people speed up and go through that intersection. And if somebody, God forbid, jumped off the curb thinking, you know, oh, I saw the red light, didn't, wasn't paying attention to cars coming through, that's when tragic accidents happen. And one other thing, I remember when we were doing it, one of the re, first of all, the state mandated it. Second of all, we did all our due diligence and down when the, um, shelter workshop was down there, for visually impaired people, they used to have to walk, all the people that worked there, if they wanted to come downtown, they had to walk all the way over down by Susquehanna Street and cut back up because they were so afraid of that intersection. They were, because traffic only comes from one direction, there's only a few steps, they could monitor it with their canes easily and be trained how to use that properly. They no longer had to walk three blocks out of the way to get downtown. So that was an important aspect, which points out, not just for the visually impaired community, but for everybody, that roundabouts are safer. There's, you only have to look one way because traffic is only coming one way. As I look back on the last 10 years, I'm not aware of any serious crash at the roundabout or a crash that involved any serious injury. And I, I mean, I don't know at all, but I cover a lot of things that have happened in downtown Binghamton. And I don't recall anybody, pedestrian or driver, being seriously hurt since the roundabout was opened at that intersection. Well, here's the thing. I, I looked up. I know these put people asleep a little bit, but I, improved safety, under improved safety, if you Google it, 37% reduction in overall accidents, 75% reduction in injury accidents, 90% in fatalities, and 40% in um, pedestrians. So, uh, you know, I, really, there's, I agree. I mean, back then people were saying, well, we don't really have many accidents there, but you know, one life, saving one life, a pedestrian's one life is, is very important. And let's not forget, aesthetically, people said, oh, it's changing. There had been 20 different iterations of that, um, of that intersection over its history. I, I went back and looked at them. So it wasn't like, and who, what did, um, 
Hugh Grant, when he came to town, what did he do? He used that as the lead into his movie. Uh, what did the phone company do? They used. I was going to mention it. Even got on the phone book back when phone books were still a thing. Right. It was on the cover. Exactly. So people know how better it looks there. I when I lived downtown when I was mayor, I lived my last two years. I lived downtown. I used to walk my dog over there, and I would see SUNY Binghamton families taking. You know, pictures of it all the time, and they tell me, I said, why are you taking a picture? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, and it's it's uh, a nice feature for downtown. Well, one time you showed up here at the station wearing a, a T-shirt that you got made. <laughs> tell me about that T-shirt, that green T-shirt. I'm oh, looking yeah. at a file photo of, of when uh, you wore it and, and stopped by the roundabout. Tell me about that T-shirt. Well, that was actually given to me at the, um, the mayor's, Mayor Ryan's roast and toast dinner on Friday Everything I did was unlucky. Friday, December thirteenth was my was my <laughs> farewell party. I was pretty unlucky, may I say. Two, two, uh, actually three. The FEMA declared floods, and obviously the ACA tragedy. But and governing during the worst uh, recession in eighty years, I wasn't the luckiest mayor. But that T-shirt was, uh, you know, take, a takeoff on the. Uh, um, uh, the Ithaca thing. Oh yeah, Ithaca is gorgeous. Gorgeous. So it said round. I think it said roundabouts are gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, that was given to me that night of my farewell party. I think it was Josh, if I remember right, it was Josh Ludwig's idea. Um, that T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it was a clever idea. So here's the thing. I mean, ten years later, any regrets about it? About the roundabout. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, but there are still people who are still, I mean, we we talked before coming on the air, talking about the segment, there are still people who really aren't happy with it. Well, that's why, because it was made a political issue instead of just uh, about the attributes of roundabouts, I think that's why. Because people are tribal, they remain tribal, and they want to say anything they want to say. Well, the reality is, like I said, Joe Burns made that thing up in Glens Falls up there when it wasn't made political. Once it saw how great it was and how it moved traffic, um, they loved it. I have a friend who worked as a delivery guy from the Generali's florist there. He's like, every time he sees me, that's the best thing you ever did. And, uh, you know, just the, uh, the one thing, when we built that, we hadn't yet had 2,000 young professionals and students living downtown generating a whole bunch more traffic. Can you imagine... How, what the traffic would be like backed up if that traffic couldn't throw through, flow through that light. There was a big, long wait at that light before. It was kind of a, still a ghost town when we built that, um, comparatively, in terms of how many people came downtown and, and all the restaurants that were here then. There was a lot less traffic, and now there's a lot more. And if, But for that roundabout, it would be, I think it would be disastrous. Now, as I recall... The thing was still a political issue even after you left office because in 2017 there was a, a, a contest for mayor where the, <laughs> the mayor was running for re-election and then somebody put out a mailer appropriating, by the way, without permission, my WNBF news photo of you standing at the roundabout oh, right. and, and the mailer showed my picture without credit, without permission, and they used that as a as a campaign mailer, as as though you were running for oh. for a third term for mayor, you know, and, and suggesting at least implicitly that if you elect the Democratic candidate, there were going to be roundabouts popping up everywhere. Yeah, well, that's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure that. 
uh, Rich David approved a, a project uh, for the 363, if it ever happens, reconstruction that has two or three roundabouts in it. And, oh, by the way, he also wasn't going to do the Front Street Gateway project with all those beautiful houses. I got word of that. And if it wasn't for me calling a certain person that has a lot of clout, I, if I knew if I said, what, are you crazy? Don't do, you're not going to do the Front Street Gateway? If I hadn't made a call, uh, um, an intelligent call to somebody who I knew could give the administration a hard time, they wouldn't have done Front Street, which would have meant Crandall Street would have never got done because the only reason the, the administration, Rich David's administration, did Crandall Street is because he got so much praise for Front Street. So, yeah, it's funny how things happen. <laughs> Things happen for a reason. So as we wrap up our our conversation about the roundabout 10 years later, any closing thoughts about the roundabout and anything that the drivers and the residents and people who work in Binghamton should know? Well, I just, you know, I just hope that they realize how much uh, it's better for the environment. It's better for pedestrian safety. It's better for car safety. It's Easy to drive if you do it right. Oh, just one other thing. You talked about the size of, we put every kind of truck through there, even dual 10, but people, they didn't, we did it at the time when people didn't see it. And who was the guy, Gene, who used to run the hot dog stand? He, one day when they had a big accident up on 81, they had to reroute all the traffic. He kept saying, there's no way you could fit big trucks through here. And just so happened a double tandem tractor trailer came through and, right in front of his eyes and easily maneuvered the roundabout. So we, you know, it's a, it's a great thing. It's better for, uh, you know, think about it. If you're leaving town, you forgot something, uh, you can, you know, you, at that moment, you can just swing around and go back the other way. You don't have to go up three blocks and turn around and stuff like that. It's a, um, I think we should have some kind of event to honor the roundabout, actually, every year. Like mm-hmm. a, a race around, a one-mile race around the roundabout mm-hmm. or something. Roundabout cakes. Roundabout <laughs> cupcakes. Something like that. Um, yeah, I, I remember when that huge load came through. I mean, it was magnificent to see. I didn't, I didn't see the driver who had to get off Interstate 81 because of a crash or something in the construction zone. So he, uh, unfortunately for him, wound up on Course Street. But I know from talking with him, because he, he ultimately had to stop near the station here, because the biggest predicament wasn't the roundabout. The biggest predicament was, okay, now I'm downtown. How do I get this oversized load out of here and and he required some police assistance ultimately he was able to make that tight left turn from court onto state street and headed out toward the vestal parkway and i guess he managed to to eventually make it up onto 201 and back up on the highway but but the fact that and the police even marveled they were telling bob you should have seen this the guy (laughs) first of all we knew the guy was a good driver i mean you wouldn't put somebody like me and say here bob here's 10 bucks see if you can get this thing through the roundabout you don't want to you know practice on somebody with no skills but it proved a point that even um one of the widest loads i've ever seen in downtown binghamton was able to get through the roundabout and as they say the rest is history let's talk about some current events now the big primary was just held uh on tuesday um there's going to be a senate race and leah webb 
won the Democratic primary for this race in the 51st State Senate District. Uh, So what are your thoughts as we look ahead to the general election on November 8th? Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure it's true that no Democrat has ever won that seat because of the way it was configured previously. But now it's configured differently. It includes Ithaca, it includes Binghamton, and uh, Cortland. So uh, there's a much better chance for a Democrat to win. Leah was a very dedicated city council person. She's um, done a lot of things. She worked at Binghamton University. She's well-respected. She's a people person. She, she cares about working families. And basically, here's my pitch on this. It used to make sense um, to have a Republican state senator because the Senate was, in the majority, Republican. We saw all the resources that um, that Warren Anderson and Tom Libbis could bring to our community. However, that's no longer the case, and it's not going to change. There's no chance it's going to change. It's going to be a Democrat-controlled Senate and Assembly. So it doesn't make sense to... Um, elect any, if you want true representation and somebody who can have clout and bring resources back to your community, you're going to vote for the Democrat. And I and I hope people think about that. It's a pragmatic thing. You might not agree with the person on every issue, but if you care about bringing uh, big resources back to your community, you better be in the majority in Albany. That's just the way it works. And, you know, I, I would say Fred Akshar quitting proves the point. He knew he can't get anything done. He's up in Albany twiddling his thumbs, and uh, and he's uh, he quit. He's quitting. So Rich David, who's a, clearly a professional politician, um, this is only he doesn't have any other degree or anything that I know of, and this is his only move. But he's not going to be able to produce for the people of um, of uh, the district, and so I think it's time to elect a Democrat who can represent all the people and bring res- uh, the kind of resources we need for. Um, you know, we still, we've made a lot of progress, but we're still an impoverished community, and we need every dollar we can get from the state government, from the federal government. So that's why I encourage everybody to vote for Josh Riley and um, and Leah Webb. Matthew Ryan, Binghamton's 51st mayor, thanks for joining us on this auspicious occasion, the 10th anniversary of the Downtown Roundabout. Thank you very much, Bob. Thanks for uh, reminding me. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody has to remember. I mean, it, it's true. If if I hadn't brought it up, it, the day would have gone by just like any other day, and then somebody, you know, a, a few weeks or a few months from now would say, how come nobody even mentioned that the roundabout was 10 years old? Well, next, next time... Uh let me know a little earlier, and we'll go around and get one of the bake shops to make a roundabout. Tw- when it's 20 years old, we'll have a roundabout cake contest or something. I'll look forward to that. Put it on our <laughs> calendar, October 24th, 2032. I hope I'm st- you and I are still around. Hey, I, I hope this talk show by then is four hours long. <laughs> That's too. what America oh, needs. I, one more thing I would like to congratulate you. You have a I, – I, you know, I'm a dedicated listener. I think you were a little depressed when it was from – uh, what was it, eight to ten? Oh yeah, they they be, and again, some people were thinking. Well, they had theories. Well, you know, must be they don't like the talk show because it was cut down two hours and it was also put on earlier. But as they say, it, it was due to operational requirements. Right. We we had um, retirement of Roger Neal, and then right. Doug Mosier also wanted to. Um, have more free time for himself and so basically what was decided by management 
we still needed to have first news in the morning, so that was uh, put on from 6 to 8, and then uh, the talk show was fortunately retained. The easy decision for management would have been to say, hey, guess what, Bob? You're going to uh, host first news Binghamton from 6 to 9. Sadly, since we don't have another per, uh, person available, you know, we'll take the live local talk program off, and that would have been the easy decision. Right. And fortunately, as time went on, we were able to get back up to speed here. And so now we have three hours of local news from 6 to 9 with James Kelly and Kathy White, and the talk show is back at full strength three hours at a better time for most right. listeners. And I, th- I, I notice a spring in your step and, and your voice, and, I, and it really is important. Not too many communities get to have this kind of, uh, especially with the demise of newspapers, it's so important to have be able to have somebody like you and, and this program to uh, have people to get to air their opinions. Um, many that I disagree with, as you know. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the, the beauty, beauty of life. Yeah, I agree. And, and to have this community conversation five days a week, I never take it for granted. I understand the reality of life today. So I'm not saying that, oh, well, now we're back from 9 to noon that I can coast. I still work hard every day, and I I feel this is so important for my community. This is the place where I was born, and you know how much I love Binghamton and the entire region. And you know how much I do, and I think most people do. I I just wish we could get away from this tribalism that's destroying our country, and we need to get back to a time when we could all think about solving problems instead of joining tribes. Matthew Ryan, thank you. Thank you. Stand 50. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. For 50. News Radio 1290. WNBF. 10.55 on a Wednesday morning. 607-772-1290 to talk on News Radio. 92.1 FM. 1290 a.m. Streaming live at WNBF.com. Brenda from the Forks, good morning. Yeah, I was just listening to talk you, you and Matt, Ryan. We can't stand roundabouts, and here's why. They're accident-causing, because people don't pay attention when they're going around the circle. They don't yield. People stop. So that's just that's what I, I wanted to bring up. It. They're, I, I think they're extremely dangerous. And I agree that, you know, it backed up traffic because of the red light there. I've been across that a million times. The sheriffs like to fly through there. They go back and forth through there constantly. They run run Route 12 like hotcake. But anyway, they can go Well, don't you think if people, life. don't you think they would be very safe if people would slow down and drive correctly? So we'll see how many accidents with these college kids at BCC, what they do. And it's just unfortunate because, you know, people are going to get hurt. Well, why don't they put up a sign that says slow down? Yeah, why don't we take the stock cars from Kirkwood and, and bring them over there and let them, let them haul ass around the circle? Put an American flag and stick it right in there in the middle. That's all I have to say. All right. Could I take videos of it? Okay. Well, again, not everyone may be a fan of the roundabouts, but as I said when I was speaking with Matthew Ryan, I'm unaware of a single serious injury crash at the roundabout on Court Street since they opened it 10 years ago today. If somebody knows differently, if you're aware of any really bad crash, now, having said that, I have seen, especially as Mr. Ryan mentioned uh, in the 
early days, relatively early days, say the first two or three years of that roundabout, I saw plenty of spectacles a lot of times involving tractor trailers. One time there was a truck that uh, had a, a heavy load. It's like a piece of steel. I don't know where they were taking it to. But it was it was an oversized load that for some reason was rooted through downtown Binghamton. And I think somebody said, well, it hit a utility pole in front of the courthouse, and it caused the big thing of steel to shift, and one thing led to another, and you had this giant piece of steel on Court Street. It fell off the truck. Now, as I recall, it came close to hitting a car, I believe. I think someone told me, or maybe it was Roger Neal, he went he went to... Uh, uh, take some pictures of of the aftermath because i think i was on the program but you can't blame you can't blame the roundabout for people who don't route their oversized truck correctly again the piece of steel would have stayed on the truck if the guy had managed not to hit the utility pole it's not rocket science Unfortunately, nobody was hurt. It was 8,000 pounds. I'm looking up the uh, story. said uh, it was an 8,000-pound piece of steel. And that happened, I guess, in June 2015. Well, hey, the thing would have fallen off the truck if he had hit a light pole over right here at our intersection, or for that matter, even if he is driving, attempting to drive a too large load through Court Street in downtown Binghamton, the same thing might have happened if the intersection was in its previous configuration. If The problem is, if you're hauling an 8,000-pound chunk of steel, don't drive through downtown districts, and if you choose to, for some reason, make sure that the 8,000-pound chunk of steel doesn't hit any utility poles. That's the only way you're going to make it to your destination without a problem. So incidents happen with the roundabout. By the way, incidents happen on the Vestal Parkway, too. And most of the problems, not every problem, most of the problems whether it's on the parkway or on the roundabout or anywhere else in your neighborhood, most of the problems have something to do with driver error. Driver made a mistake. The driver was impaired. The driver was distracted. Sometimes it's multiple problems. But if you don't pay attention, you're probably going to have a problem. I'm Bob Joseph, speaking only the truth on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Wednesday, August 24th. It's 11.04. You're listening to WNBF. Endicott native Josh Riley has defeated Dutchess County businesswoman Jamie Cheney to win the Democratic nomination in New York's 19th Congressional District. Preliminary results indicated Riley defeated Cheney by a 63-37% to margin. 
He'll face Republican Mark Molinaro in the November general election. Democratic Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan defeated Molinaro in a special election in the district, which had been represented by Antonio Delgado until he resigned to become New York's lieutenant governor. Ryan received 52% of the vote, and Molinaro received 48% of the vote. In the Democratic primary in New York's 52nd Senate District, Leah Webb defeated Leslie Danks-Burke. Webb will face former Binghamton Mayor Richard David in the November election. Two New York Democrats have been ousted from the U.S. House in primary elections after redistricting shuffled congressional districts in one of the nation's largest liberal states. A 15-term incumbent who chairs a powerful House committee, Carolyn Maloney, and a first-term progressive, Mondaire Jones, one of the first openly gay black members of Congress, lost their elections. Maloney lost to her longtime colleague, Congressman Jerry Nadler. Jones lost in a crowded race for a new district. The chair of the House Democrats' campaign arm, Sean Patrick Maloney, survived the primary challenge for his of his own from a progressive. The Metropolitan Opera is dropping its vaccination requirement for audience next season, but will still mandate the wearing of masks. The decision differentiates the Met from Broadway theaters, which loosened restrictions in July by making mask wearing optional. In May, most Broadway theaters lifted the requirement that audience members provide proof of vaccination to enter venues. The Mets season opens September 27th with the company premiere of Cherubini's Medea in in an Italian translation. Students in New York State will no longer be required to take a COVID-19 test if they've been exposed to someone who has tested positive. Under relaxed COVID guidelines, random testing won't be mandated for school districts across the state. Districts would have the option to administer COVID testing in conjunction with athletic programs. Governor Kathy Hochul said the changes in the state guidelines are being made as a result of the latest recommendations by the Centers for Disease Control. A bill currently in committee in the New York State Assembly could bring some relief to New Yorkers struggling with student loan debt payments. Assembly Bill A5724, as currently written, would provide a personal income tax deduction of $5,000 for student loan payments if the bill were to pass and be signed into law by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. Any taxpayer who takes out a qualified education loan on their own behalf or on behalf of their spouse or any dependent would be eligible to take the tax deduction. Speed Awareness Week in New York resulted in over 2,000 tickets being handed out in the Southern Tier. So it seems a few Southern Tier residents didn't heed warnings from early last week when told to lay off the gas pedal for a few days. Law enforcement agencies across the state took aim at speeders in New York as part of a campaign to decrease unsafe driving habits. So law enforcement agencies told everyone they would be targeting speeders for a week, and it seems people missed that memo as the New York State Police issued 25,000 total traffic tickets across the state in one week, with over 2,000 of them coming from the southern tier. Fox Corp. Chief Executive Lachlan Murdoch is suing Australian news website Crikey in a Sydney court for defamation over an opinion piece about last year's storming of the U.S. Capitol. Media mogul Rupert Murdoch's son filed a statement of claim Tuesday after Crikey publisher Private Media's chairman, Eric Beecher, and managing editor Peter Frey put their names to media ads inviting Lachlan Murdoch to sue. Murdoch claims he was defamed by a column about the U.S. congressional investigation into the January 6th insurrection. And a Rochester couple, who a black firefighter accused of throwing a racist pool party, are saying the event was intended to ridicule liberals, but it wasn't racist. 
Dentist Nicholas Nicosia and real estate agent Mary Nicosia hosted the July 7th party. It prompted a legal filing by firefighter Jared Jones. Jones said the party featured a display mocking the Juneteenth holiday, with Juneteenth flags displayed over buckets of fried chicken. Mary Nicosia admitted to running an anonymous Twitter account that posted racist images and content, but said she is not racist. A lawyer for Jones said he would use the couple's press conference Tuesday as evidence. It's 11.09, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Right now about 74 degrees, 67% humidity. Today, some isolated showers after 3 p.m. Sunny with a high near 82, chance of rain 20%. Tonight, patchy fog after 3 a.m., otherwise mostly clear, a low near 59. Tomorrow, patchy fog before 8 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny, a high near 85. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, a low near 64. And Friday, a slight chance of showers, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Mostly sunny, a high near 86 degrees, 50% chance of rain. And Friday night, chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., partly cloudy, with a low near 63 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. It's 11:11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Bob Joseph taking calls now at 607-772-1290. If you'd like to talk. Sunshine at WNBF, WNBF.com. It is Wednesday, August 24th. Welcome to our program. Hope you're enjoying what you've heard so far. Or if you're just joining us, you don't know what you've missed. You've missed a bunch. A bunch. John from Binghamton writes, How come after accidents and damage to the roundabout sidewalks, fencing repairs are never made? That's a good question. That's a good question. I should have brought that up with um, Matthew Ryan, the former Binghamton mayor, um, because you see that often with, I mean, whether it was unintentional or in some cases I suspect it's been intentional where people have caused damage, could be a vehicle crash or maybe could be vandalism, who knows what the actual cause of the problem is, but for some reason there doesn't seem to be uh, any particular hurry uh, at City Hall to get the uh, roundabout issues repaired when they do pop up. So I don't know what that's about, but certainly when you see, say, some of the decorative uh, posts or some of the other elements of the 10-year-old roundabout on Court Street, when you see it damaged, 
it certainly gives a certain impression about whoever's in charge of Binghamton right now. Because it's in the heart of downtown. Let's face it, the average person has no idea who's associated with the roundabout. The average person would assume that the city, when they leave something that's damaged, when they leave it in a state of disrepair, certainly conveys uh, a certain a certain message, I guess. Say if, oh, I don't know, random people, just pick random people out of the air. Say if Elon Musk was driving through Binghamton and encountered the roundabout as he drove his 2025 Tesla, or more likely as his 2025 Tesla was navigated, navigating the roundabout flawlessly with its fully autonomous option activated, Elon Musk would be saying, I like this town. This is a, a place where I could do business. I would like to put a Tesla factory somewhere maybe in the first ward where there's a lot of space for a Tesla factory. And then Elon Musk takes a look and says, wait, city does. <laughs> and based on their lack of uh, repair for things downtown, this city really doesn't care about its image. I think I'll take my Tesla factory and open it up in Halstead. I'm just saying, that's, you know, obviously that's not going to happen, but it could. You know, 607-772-1290 is our number on this Wednesday. John from Binghamton, good morning. Hey, it's funny you uh, mentioned Musk, because my attorneys have a conference call today with with Twitter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be very exciting. <laughs> okay, well, keep me either, most likely, going forward, you may not be able to say much publicly because of the sensitivity of the matter, but uh, do keep me apprised, maybe just by way of background, if uh, if anything yeah. uh, develops with uh, respect to that. Yeah, it's it's getting, you know, the, the, the problem, you know, most of these guys that have these high-tech companies, social media companies, you know, if it was the 60s, they would be, you know, indicted for stock fraud. I mean, what we've allowed to happen in this society on every level is 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 just unbelievable uh you know on the uh, primary uh it's interesting i i think uh, uh i said on your program and the polls are now bearing it out that they would you're, you're going to be surprised on how much hokel is going to win by and i think the the poll like i think it was a day or two ago that was released proves that point i think the uh, uh jamie shaney there she had one of the worst campaign commercials I've ever seen. I mean, it portrayed her as mean and angry. Uh, it was just an awful uh, campaign commercial. And uh, Josh Riley, I mean, he's the, the ultimate emasculated male candidate that everybody's looking for today. I mean, he makes Anthony Brindisi look like a macho man. So, uh, but uh, I, I think that the, and see, this is the fallacy. Uh, Ryan hit it on the head. Uh, you're electing people with no seniority, no majority. And it's it's not like the people that – and he mentioned two of the people that did bring home the bacon, uh, Anderson and Libis. You know, I think Libis picked a bunch of bad pr 
projects to get involved in, but they did deliver. Uh, you know, Hinchy, McHugh, Callen, uh, these 20-year office holders, in comparison to people that were in that term of office in Pennsylvania or West Virginia, delivered almost nothing. Uh, now, the question is, uh, can, can Republicans that mirror the uh, Democrat uh, social agenda get elected? I mean, what is the compelling reason for a pro-life person, a pro-Trump person, to vote for Resinetti and David? And there is none. There is none, because on the moral, social level... Well, maybe uh, people... Wait, wait, wait. Maybe people want someone from Binghamton representing them. Uh, why, why, why would that help? Well, I don't know. I'm not saying that it would help. I'm saying some people might be uh, parochial in choosing their candidate and say, I think it'd be nice for the city of Binghamton to have um, someone from our fine city in the state legislature. I'm just, well, again, it just that's a hypothetical. I didn't say it would be good well, or bad. You have to look at what they were in charge of and what they've been managing. And I would suggest that any voter go, if you want to know all you need to know about Resinetti and Rich David and their ability to, to deliver, you will find at the Rec Park Tennis Courts, which, by the way, we're going to be pay, we're paying interest for an unopened tennis court. I mean, think about that. Uh, millions of dollars worth of uh, financing uh, that has interest attached to it. And there's no, no real plan to, to open it up. I mean, you know, they might hit natural gas if they, if they keep boring. But, uh, you know... Uh, that this tells you the attention of detail and the way they manage things uh, and their their level of accountability and responsibility. So, Rich Dave, go 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 and if you like that tennis court and you like the cost overruns, then you'll get an idea of what Sophia Resinetti and Rich David are for. They're for government waste, fraud, and abuse. So, if, if that's going to be the Republican platform. Uh, then great, but there's, there's, what I'm suggesting is I'm suggesting two things: just to get out and vote, without a candidate that really rings your buzzer, uh, it is not worth the gas. And I, I'm I'm going to say one thing: you know, we all know w- what's happening. Civil Service Employees Association controls New York State politics, uh, and they get the benefit of of both worlds. For example. They get the high pay and benefits and pensions and health care of a union contract in a, in a state that has very little of any private sector unions left. So they get a big bang for their buck because they're on the winning end of the transaction. Now, people without unions uh, have to fend for themselves. So, and, and by the way, zero zero solidarity. You know, I I thought organized labor, which I'm for, was a brotherhood. But you see, you see that these local unions that that are prancing about strutting their stuff, uh, where are they, for example, in the Starbucks and the Amazon? Any word of encouragement? That's a good point. Actually, 
I had sort of thought about that a few weeks ago, and I hadn't mentioned it on the air because it's not my place to bring that up. But I, I've been waiting for someone to, um, to to ask that very question because you know we we spoke with the woman who was um, starting making the initial steps to organize one of the Starbucks stores on on the Parkway, and you would have thought that that suddenly. If if labor really cared about you know wanted to show solidarity, you would think they they would have had you know one of their representatives call into the program and say, hey, we agree, we we want more people to have adequate representation so they can enjoy the same benefits that we have. Well, I I brought this up, you know the the IDA has a, a labor representative, you know, and they're they're all union union union. Uh, but they 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 build these facilities and they express no interest on create you know they built big sporting goods uh, they're they're gonna gonna oh by the way the general contractor is going to be an out of town general contractor on the uh, the uh, Oakdale comment but uh, you know they 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 express this interest when it affects them for organized labor but they I mean in other words look Macy's was a union shop you know so. Uh, uh, th- this is this is what it is, and to me, voting for a republic at one time, you, you, if you voted for a Republican back 25 years ago, Ronald Reagan or anybody else in New York State, you were assured that uh, they were going to be against gay marriage, and th- which is, has really bombed out, in my opinion. First of all, the numbers aren't there, and then then you look at, at what's happened since then. They, they 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 would be against gay marriage, which Barack Obama was, uh, to a point, and uh, they would be uh, pro-life. Now, I would ask Sophia Resonetti, and see, this is where you're going to see the phoniness of these people. Ask Sophia Resonetti and ask Rich David where they stand on the biggest issue in New York State, because right now people are going to be traveling to New York, financed by these major woke corporations, to get an abortion. So where do they stand? We're going to be the thunder road of abortions. So uh, let's let's see where these people stand. Ask them to take a stand. In fact, why they've been running now? They've had their campaigns going uh, for months. And uh, where is uh, their statement on Roe versus Wade? Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. That's a a major issue just because the issue of uh, reproductive health doesn't hit home directly now for women in New York State because, obviously, in case people haven't heard, the state is controlled by Democrats, so state law is not going to change, to be honest with you, probably in our lifetime, but it still is a major issue nationally. And uh, I don't think you can get elected. So the, the, the point is this, you know, uh, uh, you, you, if they're not Trump, to me as a Republican, if they're not 100 percent Trump, uh, then they're not worth going voting for. If they're equivocating, if they're if they're they're hoping for the Trump voters to vote. And you mark my words, a mailing is going to go out, a segregated Targeted mailing is going to go out by Rich David to Trump voters with the picture of him with Trump. But it's not going to go out to all the voters. So someday you're going to see a 
photograph of Rich David with Donald Trump, trying to convince you that he's for Donald Trump. Look, but, but John from Binghamton, isn't that a uh, rather cynical ploy? Sure it is. Sure it is. But that's what these people deal with. They're not straight shooters. I mean, uh, uh, in, in as far as willing to be worked working with Democrats, here's the big rub. You know, we've had our own maverick Republican. We had Richard Hanna, you know, a, a, a little uh, dollar store version of John McCain. But the point is, uh, we know where John McCain and Richard Hanna, the late great senator and congressman, we know uh, what they capitulated or supported by the Democrats. What concessions for any uh, Republican idea did the Democrats make? I mean, did, have you seen any Democrat in New York State say, you know something, some of this Republican agenda is pretty good, and I think we should get moving on some of it? No, no, you'll never see that. Hochul's going to win. She's going to win big. And we look to the future uh, in New York State with uh, not candidates like Fred Akshar, who's, by the way, claiming that he was under sheriff, and he was under sheriff. Guess how long? Six weeks. Well, that's the thing. I forgot that it was that short. I knew it was short. I couldn't have told you if somebody had said, Bob, for a million dollars, how long was Fred Akshar the under sheriff? I mean, long enough. I know it was long enough because I was at the sheriff's office after he left, after he became a senator, and the sign still said, Fred Akshar, undersheriff, so I know it was long enough to get a sign there. But it probably doesn't take long to get signs made. Well, he was undersheriff for about as long as his uh, sexual relationships in the past have lasted. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I mean, you know, we we don't know that to be a fact. I mean, that's that's your personal opinion, Sean. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I mean, with that. I, I don't think I can top that. Um, probably not. On the other hand, it's certainly, I think, incumbent on me to offer the senator airtime if he wants to respond. That is it's not something I saw coming around the roundabout. Now I think about it, it's been quite a while since Senator Akshar has been on the program. How long has it been? I'm old enough to remember when he came on the program on a regular basis. 1128, I'm Bob Joseph, asking a few questions, informing the public the way the public wants to be informed. 607-772-1290. And if you want, why not send an email to bob at wnbf.com. This program is broadcast live weekday mornings from 9 to noon on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM. 1290 a.m. and always available on the free WNBF app, keeping you connected with reality. For 50 News Radio 
731 with Bob Joseph, uh, monitoring things all around the world because the world needs to be closely monitored just in case. 607-772-1290 if you'd like to add your voice to the broadcast fray. Here's something of interest. Kathy Hochul. And the story really has not resonated with many people, but apparently some people uh, were concerned the other day. And when I say the other day, that was Monday night. Kathy Hochul said something that you would have uh, thought potentially would be uh, incendiary, incendiary, especially uh, among some of her opponents. So this is a transcript of what Kathy Hochul apparently said Monday night, according to John Campbell, the noted journalist who has covered state government for many years. John Campbell tweeted this. uh, Governor Hochul at a rally for Pat Ryan, who ultimately won the uh, special election in New York's 19th Congressional District. According to John Campbell, Governor Hochul said Republicans Donald Trump, Lee Zeldin, and Mark Molinero are, quote, not New Yorkers, and suggested they should go to Florida where you belong. So here's the transcript, which John Campbell helpfully tweeted. It says... Remember, this is not me. This is attributed to Governor Kathy Hochul Monday. My friends, we are fighting for democracy. We're fighting to bring government back to the people and out of the hands of dictators. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinero just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong. Okay, get out of town. Get out of town because you don't represent our values You are not New Yorkers. You're not New Yorkers because we come from a long line of people who fought for women's rights that happened here first. We fought for environmental justice that happened here first. We fought for labor rights that happened here first. We fought for the LGBTQ rights that happened here first. Now, that is the transcript from what Governor Hochul allegedly said Monday night at a rally for Pat Ryan. But nobody cares? I mean, I don't care because I've heard governors say and do all sorts of things. Heck, we all know what they say Elliot Spritzer did. We all know what they say George Pataki did. We all know what they say Hugh Carey did. And we certainly all know what Anthony, I was going to say Anthony Weiner. He wasn't governor, was he? Well, he should have been. I mean, keeping with the great tradition of New York governors, he probably would have fit right in. Uh, I was about to say, we know what Andrew Cuomo allegedly did. So there. So Kathy Hochul, I guess, didn't do anything particularly egregious. And nobody calls in. I guess everybody just expects that sort of thing nowadays from New York governors. They want to be dividers and not uniters, like the host of this program. 11.35, let's go back to the phones. Dale in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning. Morning, Bob. What's I'm, up? Uh, uh, just 
talking about the Rambo there, and I've lived in Bampton um, most of my life, but I've been a truck driver. So I've, actually, I lived on the interstate for about 40 years and, uh, and, and driving around a roundabout that I've found here and there without the right equipment, you know, like a TomTom or that are made for trucks that will tell you that the roundabouts there, you know, and uh, have a double white, you know, a double trailer go down through there. I couldn't even imagine that. I left probably where the bark came from, but I'm just thinking, uh, you know, and I, I've lived here, you know, I grew up here and stuff, and, uh, but I've uh, been truck driving for a while. And uh, if, if you don't have the right equipment and, and you come down through, you know, uh, to get off the interstate and, and d- drive down Route 12 through the middle of town, I mean, that's just, uh, that's too much, you know. And it's, uh, well, it's so. Not the driver's fault because he comes up on it. All right. Well, right say if you're, if you're driving, now I understand, like, uh, the double trailer setup i can understand where that probably poses a a big challenge but if you're driving say a 53 foot long standard trailer should you have a problem navigating binghamton's roundabout if you're driving one of those standard length trailers okay um the uh trailer wheels on the back slide back and forth so if you hold on had them pulled all the way back can't make a big a circle like that, you know. So you have to move all the trail wheels forward, but it's, it's only because of the weight. When whatever you're carrying is too heavy to run through a DOT scale or something like that, you know, you have them all the way back, and uh, they right. try to run around that circle, and, and it just don't, you know. You can ride on one edge, and then you won't make the other. That's all there is to it, you know. And, well, uh, should should professional truck drivers, I'm not talking about people like me because I don't drive trucks, but should professional truck drivers carefully plan out their route so they avoid uh, a, a road feature like a roundabout that they're not going to be able to handle? Yeah, and especially when you know when they're coming up, that's why the Tom Tom or the Garmin is so important to a truck driver because it'll point that out, you know. But the uh, roundabout might have been built too early to even be put on a Garmin or or Tom Tom. Well, uh, Matt Ryan, when he was here in the studio, I think alluded to that, and maybe that's why there there were some problems there in in 2012, 2013, even into 2014 with um, some big trucks. Perhaps the Garmin or other navigation services were not updated quickly enough. That's right. I think. No, I I know that. Right. Well, one thing one thing that uh, a listener, Dave from Binghamton, pointed out to me now, uh, thanks to volunteers, um, some navigation services, Google Maps, and things like that. Uh, get, oh, yeah. get updates quite regularly. For example, he he pointed out to me that really about the time that the new roundabouts opens in the town of Dickinson, 
on Upper Front yeah. Street that those roundabouts were quite quickly reflected on on the yeah, uh, Google map. They have drive through there just to put it on the, on onto the Garmin or Tom Tom, you know, truck Tom Toms, telling you where low bridges are for five ton weight limiters and all that stuff. You know. Yeah, that's the other thing you mentioned about low bridges. That's one of the things that still. Continue well. It does boggle my mind how here we are in 2022, and some people still manage to get their two tall trucks stuck, say on on Robinson Street on the east side, or occasionally at the um, one of the bridges on the Brandywine, or someone will hit that pedestrian bridge on McKinley Avenue in Endicott. I I just have to ask myself, okay. Maybe you have a TomTom, and maybe the battery is dead or you didn't plug it in. But even if you don't have your navigation system activated, can't you see the signs that clearly state what the clearance is? I've done that in Chicago. Really? And and they have railroad tracks going around Chicago, you know, in a complete circle. There's only certain places you can drive underneath with a 13-foot trailer, you know, high trailer. And I backed up for, you know, a half a mile and then gone through a red light just to back up and get out of there because I couldn't go underneath the bridge, you know, before I had the uh, TomTom, the uh, right. equipment to uh, tell me that there's a little bridge there. I can't do that. You know? Well, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Uh, I mean, it got to the point where I think maybe about four years ago, the city of Binghamton put signs on both sides of the underpass the railroad underpass on robinson street uh signs that said hey if you're driving a truck you must stop and actually get out of your truck to verify that you're going to be able to fit under the tracks look yeah you have to stand out and and look while moving the truck underneath the bridge I've done that before. Yeah. yeah. Well, I uh, have know, to say, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm very thankful for truck drivers because I know uh, got to be professional thing. That's yeah. All there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, every everybody depends on on truck drivers, and I, I, I certainly appreciate that it's probably never been an easy job, and I don't think it's gotten oh. any easier in the last few years. So I'm thankful oh, Lord, for, for the truckers. Parts of Canada. Wow. That's what I've done. So. Well, thank you. you know, a long time, you know. I bring, uh, you know, all kinds of vegetables and fruits back from California and deliver them on the East Coast, you know, back and forth. And, uh, you know, back in, back in the old days when they could make money at doing it, but now you've got so many restrictions that you have to watch out. Well, now I, I don't know how, how especially independent operators, I have no idea oh, how they make ends meet with, with the I federal... With the federal rules and diesel prices at one point that were uh, trending Even around seven dollars, than, than gas, you know. Yeah, it's I terrible. Mean, it's it's crazy, you know, and, and that's why people are paying higher prices for stuff because yeah. of all that situation. I think. Dale, thank you so much for your call. Okay. Eleven forty-three WNBF with Bob Joseph, friend to all, Vic from Herkimer. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good. How's it going? I'm not too bad. I, I'd like to talk a little bit about Kathy Hochul's statement. It's reflective to me on how the Democrats are uh, dividing the country, not uniting it. And more importantly, if you live in upstate New York, 
whether you're Democrat or Republican, you should vote for Lee Zeldin if you want any chance at all to have representation here in upstate New York. Uh, and mainly I say that because uh, we have so many representatives from upstate who all have the same complaint. You can't work with the Democrats in Albany because we're in the minority. So the only way to change that is to make it the majority. And if you live in upstate New York and you want to see things get done, cross party lines and vote for Lee Zeldin. Plus, he'll approve fracking here in the southern tier in the Marcella Shale. Fracking's got nothing to do with what I just said, although that is very true. Uh, he probably will approve fracking, but first he has to change the law because before Cuomo left office, he made it illegal. And in order to uh, revert that law or get rid of that law, he has to have a majority in the uh, House, and he does not. Have, he probably won't have that since I believe uh, 51 of our 67 representatives come from Brooklyn and uh, New York City, or excuse me, Long Island. So, or 51 or 67, I can't remember the number. But uh, uh, fracking has nothing to do with the with the needs of upstate New York. We need recognition as a as a community. We need jobs. We you know we need better health care for the people that are here. Uh, we need lower taxes. And this is what Zeldin is offering to bring to the table. Unlike Kathy Hochul, who's plans on taxing us more and more to, to, to take care of the illegals Texas shipping up to us, uh, to take care of all these uh, benefits that she's offering to everybody. Well, also, we need more infrastructure work. I mean, look at the, the condition of our highways and the bridges and parking garages. Things are crumbling, so we need more state money to make necessary repairs. When I say people should cross party lines, I want to give an example. I am supporting Kathleen Newcomb for the sheriff of Broome County, and she's a Democrat. And the reason I'm supporting her is because she never left the job she doesn't need to be retrained upon entry back into the job, and she's not collecting retirement. She wants to serve the people in New York. And this is why I'm crossing uh, Broome County. I'm sorry. This is why I'm crossing the party line to vote and support, and I have financially supported her with several hundred dollars to run for sheriff, and I'm proud to say that. But didn't you move to Herkimer? I own homes in both places. I'm on Herkimer four days a week. I'm here three days a week. So are you still a legal resident in Broome County? You're still allowed to vote in Broome County? I still get all my mail here. So I guess the answer is you can legally vote in November in Broome County. Correct. I voted yesterday in Town of Barker. Okay. All right. Well, you know me, Vic. I don't want trouble. Well, you know... Uh, you're going to get it with 83000 or 86000 new IRS agents. Even though you might pay your taxes, like you say on every time you bring the subject up, that you have nothing to hide, that doesn't mean they're not going to come poking. Well, they can come poking. Poke away, baby. Poke away, you'll find nothing. You'll find nothing. And then at the end, after they're done poking, I'll say, satisfied now? You know, Bob, I had a, I, I'm not going to mention the tax service, but I was with them my whole entire life. And they came poking into my account some 15 years ago, but said I owed them $30,000 in fines and back penalties. And I had to pay that until I got a lawyer and fought it. And then I got it dismissed. So, yeah, they, they poke and they poke in the innocent people's pockets and create expense. And that's why 27% of the people who get audited who can't afford lawyers end up paying the IRS money they don't owe. Well, I hope they don't do it with me.
I hope not too, Bob. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. Thank you for your support. You bet. Take care. 1147 WNBF 607-772-1290. It's the only live local radio program in town. And that's why I keep coming back for more. Every weekday morning from 9 to noon on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. WNBF Live at 11.50. Vinny from Binghamton. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Bob. Hey, listen, I, I'm calling. I'd just like to congratulate um, Josh Riley on a, on a nice campaign that he ran. Um, got a lot of votes. Good job. I can't I can't wait until November. That's all I have to say. You know, I, I think former Mayor uh, Ryan put it, he did, he hit it right on the head, is you got to start thinking, who's going to deliver to this area? Okay. Our last person, Claudia Tina, I, I just I could not believe how people could vote for her. She spent most of her time talking to the Albany paper, Syracuse paper, Newsmax and Fox. I mean it's just ridiculous how we so how Oh and the Utica order. station. So yeah. I mean the interesting thing, and I don't know, was it something I said? No, but you're probably asking tough questions, Bob, just like uh Bob John said from Binghamton. Where do you stand on the abortion issue? Where do you stand on these issues that are leading our, 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 in the country today? The, the role versus where do, you, where do you stand? That's all. It's a question. Just like we ask the judges when they get on there. They go through. We ask them questions. This is what is about politics. When you run for politics, there are people out there who have questions. From roundabout to role versus Wade. So do you think... Do you think that's why some people don't come on the program anymore? Because they don't like... Facing a few tough questions? Oh, Bob, all the time. All the time. You know, I think uh, I heard John say about uh, you, uh, the mailers with him with uh, with um, uh, uh, Trump. I think that would be suicide because Webb's people would get a hold of it and they'd say, oh, look, this is a leadership that wants to represent us to go to New York. They'll say something like that. That'd be suicide for him to do anything dumb like that. But that's what I'm saying. This is going to be a great interesting uh november i i can see it i can see it going it's going to be interesting and by the way um i think vic vic from the forks uh, listen george pataki won this state and he was a republican and what he stood for george pataki was pro-choice he was a catholic but he was for the death penalty i was going to point that out that most I won't say most, many observers thought it was that singular issue that allowed George Pataki to surprisingly defeat Mario Cuomo. The death penalty was was uh, really the key, the key issue that separated the two candidates, and that's the last time, think about it, two decades ago, that's the last time a Republican managed to win statewide office in New York. And what has happened, Bob, is the climate has changed for the Republican Party because of Donald Trump. He has backed them so far to the right. Craziness that he knows he can he can do all his moves. But if you go against him, you know, Bob, I said this back when he won. When he won, no, when he lost to Joe Biden, I said, you watch. All these Republicans 
the only thing that they saw, they could give a crap about Trump. They saw those 71 million votes. They saw them, and they thought they could get it. But they're not Trump. They're not Donald Trump. All right? And they're going to try to act like it. And when, they, like I said, everyone's talking about DeSantis down there, who, by the way, said uh, our COVID was spread by all those New Yorkers coming down here during spring, and they spread all they spread all this COVID all over the state. That was that governor. And I don't even let me go to Texas because that's that's another story for another time. Oh, with the what? oh, Greg Abbott is he still governor yeah. in Texas? Greg Abbott is he yes, governor yeah. still? I don't see how he can get away with it. Yeah. I mean, he keeps isn't it illegal? Don't doesn't it on the surface if you if you gave people just the basic facts that a governor in the, the anywhere in the United States was putting anybody, one person, two people, hundreds, thousands of people, putting them on buses and taking them to places they don't want to go and where there hasn't been any prior agreement that they're going to come and find find shelter and education and medical care doesn't that sound like it would be completely illegal well i guess he can't handle it bob so why should he be governor he can't handle this you can't handle with all the people in texas you can't handle this you can't you can't handle this governor and 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 governor i love here's another thing i liked about that governor when that shooting took place and all those those kids got killed. Isn't it convenient how they shot all those uh, cops under the bus? Your fault. You're here too late. You didn't do it right. You did this wrong. But, but, oh, he, they, they sh- uh, this guy. Why are you going to blame all these cops? Did they do it wrong? Maybe they made they maybe they made some mistakes. Are you going to say that for the rest of the cops all across this country, all across this law enforcement? If anything happens like this again, are you do you want the media to go after them? I thought you were for law enforcement. And it's just, and I'm like, this is unbelievable how they're shooting all this, all these cops under the bus. Yeah, it's very, Texas is just strange. I don't understand Texas. I'll have to travel to Texas one of these days so I can start to understand and appreciate what really goes on in the Lone Star State. 1156, I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. It's been a accomplished. Bob Joseph, proud of what we've done today and looking forward to what we will do together tomorrow right here on News Radio. In the meantime, enjoy your afternoon responsibly. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM.